0: Between games, supporting community sport, proudly brought to you by GipSport.
1: That music only means one thing, sports fans. It's now time for another edition of Between Games, brought to you by sport I'm joined here by Dave. G'day, Chris. That's
0: uh, great to be back for our second show.
1: It is the uh, first one went over well. The numbers suggest that. And we look forward to bigger and better things.
0: Yeah, look, it's certainly um, a, a project that we're keen to see over the next uh, few months and see how it develops, but uh, indications so far are good. And on today's show, a big topic for uh, sports clubs is finding funding. Yeah, really important for um, for clubs. You know, alongside uh, sponsorship and fundraising, if people can find a few grants to uh, support some of their activities, um, it really keeps the, the club
1: viable. And planning is obviously a big thing and volunteer roles. Would it be suggested that someone look at this as a role to take on in their club yeah look I'm sure we've had a
0: chat off air with this but um, if we can find someone in your club to actually take a role on of finding grants it certainly shares the burden across your committee and across your club
1: and on today's show we have a special guest from our community Patrick Moriarty who specialised in this field yeah looking forward to hearing of, um, from Patrick and also we've got uh, one of our colleagues Dawn Martin joining us as well which uh, she'll talk a little bit about what's out and about at the moment. But uh, our first guest is Patrick. Uh, he joins us on the line now. Thanks, guys. And, uh, our community, uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, that organisation and your role? My,
2: my role is the uh, Director of Training and Development at our community, and we were established 15 years ago to provide information, support, resources and advice to community groups throughout Australia of all shapes and sizes, uh, whether that's art, sports or youth or health. Um, Um, We cover it all off and and probably the simplest way that people can think of of our community is where not-for-profits can go for
1: help. Excellent. And uh, always looking... Funding's always a big topic. uh, (laughs) It always is. With uh, (laughs) local organisations. Having attended one of your uh, workshops, there's a question you ask at the start as to why people are looking and applying for funding. Give the uh, listeners a bit more explanation around the reason for that question.
2: Yeah, look... um, (laughs) Surprisingly, not everyone's really clear on, on what they're asking for money for. So, so probably the first step is being, being really clear about what it is that you're trying to achieve. Um, and In effect, that's a solution to a problem. And where people are looking to provide funding, so whether that's for membership, whether it's a sponsorship, whether it's for a donation or whether it's for a grant the people providing the money are actually interested not in what you're actually going to do with it, but why you actually need it. And the critical question you need to answer in that context is, you know, why do I need it supported with a bit of evidence? And it's not as simple as saying, you know, um, we need a sporting, uh, new sporting facility or renovate our our old sporting facility because it's in a state of disrepair or it looks crappy. You need to think of the members you've got, the community benefit that you provide, the amount of time that that is going to be used and in the context of a simple example I I had a guy say that we need a disability playground in the western suburbs of Melbourne and I said well why do you need it? And his response was because we haven't got one. Now that's not going to get you too far with too many people but if we said you know there are 4,732 children aged between 0 and 8 who currently don't have access to a playground that meets their physical or mental um, capacity, that starts to weave the story. Um, And the evidence can be supported by a lot of things, including testimonials, um, pictures, videos. You've got a lot of ways that you can actually start to tell the story about why you actually need it.
0: And I think um, one of the points here is we often see from our point of view there's either clubs that don't apply for anything or there's clubs that apply for everything. Um, You know, and I think that's, you know, how important is, I guess, planning and knowing what you want to apply for and and having that in advance rather than just applying for, you know, every bit of applications or funding that comes along?
2: Yeah, look, um, I think it's pretty critical. Um, You know, probably 90% of us are volunteers in a sporting capacity. uh, So we're time poor anyway. Um, And as soon as we see one of these grants announced, we start to think, oh, yeah, that'd be really handy to do whatever. Um, but then the time frame to respond to them in, in many cases is relatively short. So we then go away and start to think, oh, well, geez, you know, I've got to get three quotes to get that. Uh, I've got to do this. You know, I've got to really pull that budget together. Uh, you know, it's a lot of work. I've got to get all that, you know, rigmarole that they want. And by the time you start to look at it, you think, well, geez, you know, Maybe I'll do it next time. And next time might never come, and that might be the opportunity you've got, you know, potentially in an election year or something like that, but it's never going to occur again. Um, so without planning through that, that simple steps of what do we need, why do we need it, how much is the total project worth, and then looking at identifying steps and stages involved in that whole project and the timeframe, if you haven't got that sitting there, in effect, as your wish list... You're going to struggle to get it in in the time.
0: Yeah, and do you have a list of do's and don'ts for, for um, volunteers and for clubs?
2: Probably probably the first one, if, if we're talking specifically about grants, is to make sure they read the guidelines. Um, you know, probably my horror story is I was trying to build a little bit of succession plan into the cricket club, and you know, I, I kept saying to the guys, look, the first thing you got to do is read the guidelines. You know, I said it explicitly, it will say what's eligible, what's ineligible, who's eligible, who's ineligible. Every guideline will give you that. Um, and eventually the guy sort of, yeah, no worries, I'll, I'll pull this together. Now, this was for a, uh, a cricket, cricket Vic grant for a um, minor facility development. And, and what that actually submitted in the, the application to me as the draft was for a coaching uh, gig and I thought, well, this would be really weird if Cricket Vic were actually going to fund coaching in something called a facility grant. So first thing I did, go and read the bloody guidelines. And of course, quite explicitly, it says coaching is not provided in a facility grant. I went back to them and you know, I said, guys, look, really, you've wasted your time. Think of those things first. You know, read the guidelines, see what's eligible, what's ineligible, who's eligible, who's ineligible. So that's a very basic starting point. And from our work with grant makers, on average, between twenty and thirty percent of every grant that lands on grant maker's desk is ineligible for the grant. So people are wasting a hell of a lot of time and energy filling out all those forms when they shouldn't have even been doing it. And the real tip for us out of that is try as much as you can to contact the grant maker before you submit a grant.
1: And on percentages, with that, not too many would actually do that. No.
2: Um, Again, from, from the stuff that we've talked with, with grant makers about, um, less than 10% of, of people will make contact with the grantmaker. In a lot of cases, they're fearful that, you know, we don't want to waste these people's time, when in reality, they're saving your time and they're also saving their own time. So that's part of the reason that they ask people to, to write or to contact them beforehand. If you're really scared of making contact with someone on the phone, you know... 8 out of 10 times there's an email address that you can contact them at and say, look, this is what we're thinking about doing, this is why we need it, Um, here's what we're going to be asking for. Uh, You know, don't be put off. There there are some where you can't contact them, obviously, but there's a hell of a lot that are trying to do that, particularly at a local government level.
0: Yeah, and I think um, one of the things I advise people too is to make that contact after as well. Like, I think it's it's building that relationship and if you're not successful, find out why. And, um, you know, hopefully when it comes around, and a lot of these grants come around every year, you can then yep. reapply and you know a little bit more detail about it. You have also can build up a relationship with the, the grant maker as well. Um, yep. And hopefully that puts you in a bit of stead next time around.
2: Yeah, look, um, you know, that little 10% that I talked about, if you've mapped out your plan before you make the contact, it's easier to respond to them. So if you think through, if I was going to ask, For money, what what should I be able to answer on that phone when I make that call? And you imagine that person on the other end of the phone would be asking me, what do you want the money for? You know, where are you from? Who are you? Um, Why do you need that? How much is the total project worth? And for what you're asking from us, what fits with us? And who else have you asked funding from? To try and get all of the other bit, and when do you need it? And if you can respond to all of those questions, ninety-five percent of the ten percent can't. And that relationship building then starts to establish credibility. You prove that you you know you're not a mug and you're just trying to get money out of anything, and you've really thought through the whole process. So it means you're serious about it. So so for me, that's that's a really simple way of starting that relationship. And as you said, if you're not successful that time, you don't know whether you're 101st in line out of 100 um, and try again. But to make that phone call at the end again and try and find out and, and don't blame them. How can we improve? What did we do wrong? Um, would you consider an application from us in the future for the same thing? Or are we better off identifying some of the other steps and stages that we've got? You know, as you said, it's relationship building and eventually that relationship will pay off for you.
1: Besides the, um, the funding opportunities that come around year after year and the ones that the clubs mainly go for, yeah. where do you see some of the other opportunities that outside the box that um, clubs should look at?
2: The one thing that I think sport, um, and it's not just sport, but uh, a lot of community organisations ignore completely, is that whole issue of bequests if you think of the connections that sport makes in local communities and some of them are long-term relationships and people actually get a hell of a lot of health and well-being benefits out of belonging to sporting organizations yet a lot of sporting organizations don't like that whole topic of death but if we look at every major charity and every private school in australia and where they get a substantial amount of their funding from, it's from people leaving money in their wills to those charities or schools. Now, if I lived in a small rural community and was a member of the local footy or cricket club for 20 or 30 years, and you know, I was asked um, to consider leaving a small amount of my will to the club I can tie that to what I want done with the club, so I could fund, you know, maybe a couple of disadvantaged kids memberships every year for five years, or I could, you know, you know my favourite one was two thousand dollars had to be drunk over the bar in two hours, um, so it was a celebration of the guy's life in the same context. So there's ways and means that you can do that. I think clubs could explore a hell of a lot better.
0: And as you said, it's it's, it's you know it gives people someone a, a bit of a legacy as um, an involvement lifelong with the club as well. If you know, um, you know, I know some uh, areas that have got some big funding that way as well, and you know they might have an area of the club named after them or something like that as well, which um, provides that legacy that people like as well.
2: Yeah, look, and, you know whether it's the golf club and the the tees, you know the at Moriarty T, or whatever it might be, if, if they've funded five grand to the club, you know, that might be a simple recognition. But a lot of people, it's not about leaving the whole farm to the club and, and not taking care of family or anything like that. It can just be a small component that, that you know people might consider leaving in their will.
1: How important is communication with current members, ex-members and all your other partners at your, about projects and uh, opportunities?
2: Yeah, look, um, you know, you've seen my presentation, and probably for sport and schools in the same context. Um, one of the things we don't do well is is keep contact with our past um, members, friends, supporters, sponsors. Um, the real success for professional fundraisers is their lists, and if we haven't got a list and we haven't got a contact, it, it makes it hard to to continue that sense of belonging with anyone that has belonged with us. Um, So, you know, the potential for for grandparents to be connected when we've got a junior sporting club. Um, You know, the parents, people might leave the community. You know, younger people go off to study in in Melbourne and Sydney or wherever. Um, If we continue that connection, there's more of a sense of belonging and it builds up not just the capability for us to fundraise, but that's also an important attribute when we're talking about sponsorship and reach. So, so keeping those lists current, uh, keeping them updated and continuing to communicate, you know, we're not talking a, a huge amount, maybe two or three times a year. Um, it just keeps people connected. And I think all of the research from the AFL um, in terms of the sense of belonging is that connectedness and communication. And that's how a lot of the AFL clubs have been able to drive the substantial increases in membership. It's about creating that sense of belonging, keeping in contact with people, and informing them of the benefits of that that connection.
0: Fantastic. Thanks for your time, um, Patrick. It's been great to have a listen and insight into what you do. Um, we certainly know of your grants newsletter as well. Is there other ways yep. that um, you know you can help help clubs? I guess we can look out for some of your workshops, etc. But yep. just give us a bit of a plug for um, our communities.
2: Yeah. Well, look, the easiest ways there's. We've got a fairly substantial website. It's www.ourcommunity.com.au. Um, there's a heap of free materials up there. Um, I mentioned initially that, that we've been going for 15 years. Um, the easiest way to think of us is we're not government-funded. So so just like a lot of sporting clubs, we, we survive on a, a number of streams of funding, and, and one of it is that grants newsletter. But it's not specifically for grants. It's all the other sources of fundraising as well. Um, and But if you get the Easy Grants newsletter, it'll give you access to about $10 billion of funding through grants every year. So um, it's, it's a really great source. But there's a lot of free materials there on the website um, on any of the topics that, that any sporting club will be involved with.
1: Thanks, Patrick. We've uh, run out of time. We really appreciate your time coming on the show and we look forward to chatting to you some other time. That's all. Cheers. And talking what funding opportunities are around for sports clubs We're joined by Gippsport Program Coordinator for Wellington Dawn Martin Welcome to Between Games Dawn Thanks Chris So tell us Dawn uh, f- Funding opportunities for sports clubs They're always out there looking for opportunities uh, What are some of the things out and about that they can apply for currently?
3: Yeah there's a few about now including a new Victorian Government one The first thing I wanted to say is it's really important for clubs to do a bit of planning around what they might want grants for. So if that's sitting down at a committee meeting once a year and going through with all their associated clubs, juniors, uh, females, seniors, and sitting down and saying, okay, we need new change rooms for the women, we need some padding for the goalposts for the netballers, uh, we need new soccer balls for the juniors. And then when when grants come up, they're in a better position to say, OK, this is our priority. So what's out there at the moment? There's some um, building disability-inclusive businesses and community organisation funding rounds about at the moment, and that's um, $500, and sports clubs can apply for that if they, say, want to put some ramps in or want to design their their buildings better to allow people with disabilities to have better... Uh, access to their buildings. Uh, Some of the local government um, funding is open at the moment and if you just go into the um, local government pages in your area you'll see what grants are available there. And the big one at the moment is the Community Sports Infrastructure Fund and that's the state government one. So there's uh, funding there for better pools, major facilities, minor facilities, uh, female change rooms. But the really important thing about that is to contact your local government or your sport and recreation planner to talk to them about what you want to do because you do have to put in an expression of interest to them before any funding's allocated. So they're the main ones around at the moment. But the Gipsport grants page is updated on a regular basis and we often have our new grants in our newsletter as well. So I'd really advise people to subscribe to our newsletter because they'll get an idea of what the grants are And also our Facebook page, because we do put the grants up on our Facebook page as well.
0: On an annual basis, these grants come around. So it is important for people to sort of be aware of what grants may come up in the next 12 months as well as part of that planning process.
3: That's right. Like the state government grants page um, has a a calendar of when these things are open and closed and also with the local government, they generally open at the same time each year as do the Building Disability Inclusive Business Grants. There's other ones that come up occasionally. You can also subscribe to the Our Communities newsletter. They have uh, an extensive range of grants. That's a cost, but again, we have a look at those too and if there's something that we think is relevant, we'll put it out there as well.
0: Fantastic. And if people need help with um, writing in grants, uh, they can get in contact with, obviously, Chris down this way or yourself or one of the other program coordinators?
3: That's right. And we're also prepared to do letters of support. If we've had some work with the clubs and we know what the clubs are doing, we're, we're available to provide letters of support, which sometimes clubs need, um, sometimes some of the grant um, organizations want a letter of support to know that you know you're working and you've consulted in your community
1: and all that can be found at www.gipsport.com.au.
3: that's right and you can sign up to our newsletter on that page and you can also uh, link to our facebook page and um, like us and then you'll get information through that way as well
1: well thanks dawn thanks for taking some time out to join us on between games we look forward to talking to you down the track
3: okay thanks chris
1: well, sports fans, we've read out of time for this edition of Between Games. Dave, thanks for your contribution.
0: Yeah, thanks, Chris. And we look forward to getting some uh, feedback from our listeners out there about how we're going, uh, how we can improve it, and maybe some uh, suggestions for topics uh, for up-and-coming editions.
1: On our Facebook page or check out gipsport.com.au. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned. And we look forward to you joining us on the next edition of Between Games.
0: For more information on Between Games, visit www.gipsport.com.au. Between Games is supported by VicHealth and the Department of Health
3: and Human Services. Gipsport, supporting community sport.